0: Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London
1: is Blue podcast, where skies are blue, the sun rises in the morning, and yes, oh yes, Spurs go another season, potentially without a trophy, thanks to Chelsea. We are without Brandon today, it's midweek, he's working hard, but you know what, we got Mike here, we got Nick here, and there's just a bunch of excitement today, gentlemen, because you Spurs are going to... Just have to worry about the dust in the trophy cabinet and not any silver again, Nick. We
2: we have to we have to give a special shout out to uh, to Bleacher Report who put out one of the most savage graphics <laughs> I've seen in a really long time, which is essentially Maurizio Pochettino reaching up to any of the four most dom- domestic uh, trophies that Chelsea have won in uh, the Champions League, which is hilarious, reaching for it but not. Not quite getting there. And then the trio of Eden Hazard, N'Golo Conte, and David Luiz pointing and laughing at him. It is Savage and, Mike, more importantly, accurate.
3: Yeah, I mean, 10-year challenge continues. Zero trophies. (laughs) And, you know, any I mean, you know, come on. We get an N'Golo goal. And any time Eden can put one against Spurs and knock them out of something, it's, you know, (laughs) I'm just walking on sunshine.
1: To me, it's almost like they are the equivalent of the Indianapolis Colts right now because they're going to have to worry about like raising that banner that's like AFC finalists. You know, we didn't actually make it to the game and win, but we made it to the actual game. And those are the type of banners that Spurs fans can look forward to. And it's a little depressing. It's a little sad. It's kind of a little younger brother syndrome. But boy, oh boy, we enjoy watching them lose. And Watching them lose at our hand, especially at Stanford Bridge. But before we get crazy and going into that, we do need to start off and welcome Gonzalo Higuain to Chelsea. Uh, Higuain, if you follow the hashtag uh, that Chelsea used for it, but uh, we or, did,
2: or as Mike's, uh, Mike recreated, "Hi Gwayne."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hi
2: quiet
1: okay anyway we're gonna move on from that but uh el jefe gonzalez did put a little comment on instagram saying very simply is there a better welcome gift for mr higuin than a semi-final win and a ticket to wembley keep up the good work boys and you know what this is uh you know finals gonzalo Higuain won in the past couple years spur zero only took him like less than 24 hours mike it's just ridiculous
3: yeah it's gotta be heartbreaking um I'm, you know, I gotta say, I am so happy to, to see him. I feel like, you know, we have done a a complete about face from where we were, uh, last week. I think things are good. And, um, Let's see what it's like with a real number nine back at the club.
1: That is very important. And we'll talk a little bit more after a match recap about what Heguin means and what the transfer in and out goings and comings is going to be. But before we do that, Nick, last reminder for those who are listening to this on Friday, Friday the 25th, that there's still maybe just a little bit of time, depending on when they're listening to this, to enter our contest with Classic Football shirts for a Zola Kit giveaway.
2: That is correct, Dan. Um, if you if you haven't been uh, following this, I would encourage you to do that on our Twitter at London Blue Pod. You will see a Zola giveaway graphic. It will be uh, blue. It will have the kit on there. It will have the rules and regulations in the tweet. We encourage you to enter this because the winner uh, that we will announce on our our weekend pods post Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, will be announced and that person will get a, a Zola kit, which is incredible and, um, part of our partnership with classic football shirts. So, uh, do that, uh, enter the contest. We've had some great entries so far and a reminder that if you submit a video or some sort of photo showing your love for the little magician outside of, uh, you know, the, you know, following the rules, which is, you know, tagging your friends and such. Uh, then you will get some extra credit and could uh, potentially receive an extra entry. So uh, if you really are, are up for this, Dan, you would you would just go the extra mile there, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Only one person has so that person has six entries to the regular one that most people have. But thank you again to Classic Football Shirts. They're a great partner and we enjoy working with them. Code LondonPod for 10% off. But you know what? It's time. Match review. We can't wait to talk about the Bottle Job FC versus Chelsea FC <laughs> match that took place in the Carabao Cup semi-final uh, leg match, match day two at Stamford Bridge this Thursday, January 24, 2019. The correct score was Chelsea 2, Tottenham 1, and Brandon, the Oracle Busby, is not here to celebrate his call that Chelsea were going to win 2-1, and that Chelsea were going to advance on penalty kicks. So I don't think it really happened, Nick. I think we've, we've just got to, like, scratch that one off, asterisk it.
2: Yeah, uh, on on the other hand, Big Nash absolutely nailed it, and um, congrats to him. I don't recognize—who is who is one Brandon Busby? Do you guys recognize that name anywhere? It doesn't sound familiar to me, so I think we should probably move <laughs> on.
1: We should. We should head into the lineups and uh since I'm in the rotational chair of host Mike, it's your turn again. Take us for that through that uh
3: 4-3-3. All right. Well, we've got the $70 million man Keppa between the sticks, uh our Brazilian wonder kid David Luiz. We have Rudiger, uh punk, uh Emerson, which was a shock, uh Aspee, Jorginho, Barkley with the start, uh <clears throat> World Cup winner Ngolo Kanté, uh as well as World Cup winner Olivier Giroud, uh, Eden back at his position, and Pedro.
1: Yeah, I know we also saw substitutions from William and Kovacic into the match as well. Willie Caballero, Marcus Alonso, Lucas Pison, yes, made the bench. He is not dead yet. Ethan Ampadu <laughs> and Callan Hudson Adoy rounded out our substitute bench. So.
2: Dead. Dan one could say he's he's not close to being dead <laughs> just throwing that out there i yeah. mean it's he's 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 rumored to be moving on to another club but not moving on from this world. I think that's that's probably the distinction we want to
1: make there. I don't know. he could be a white walker. you never know We'll have to have nice. someone test um Couple stats that are very interesting: the expected goal total for Chelsea versus Tottenham. Chelsea two point two to Spurs zero point seven. Uh, Nick, a couple of other stats of note you might want to run through. A Couple that might infuriate you.
2: Sure. I mean, as you look at the you know kind of overall game, Chelsea with fifty four percent possession. Um, you know, not as not as dominant possession as as what we had been, but. Certainly a lot more clinical. Twenty one shots on goal, five shots on target to Spurs one, uh eight corners to Spurs four. <clears throat> um as we move down though, I think there there is one that I would like to uh to throw out. And you know, it's around fouls, Dan. You know, I I, I, I harped on this a, a couple weeks ago. I'm gonna harp on it again. Spurs, uh tactical foul FC, sixteen fouls and one yellow card. Chelsea reasonable,
1: reasonable. Gone. You know,
2: you know, Martin Atkinson doing the Lord's work um, <laughs> fouls for Chelsea, nine yellow cards, three. Now, you might think, man, Chelsea rough and tumble. They must have really done the business. Um, you didn't watch the game. Uh, Spurs were fouling all over the place. It was infuriating. Uh, freaking Eric Dyer should have been off in the first half for for two yellow card offenses. Um it, absolutely absurd refereeing performance from Martin Atkinson. And it just uh, goes to show as dominant as Chelsea were in almost every category. uh, You know, it's still can't catch a break from the referees.
1: I will say the the two elements of the disaster class for Martin Atkinson, and we'll move on that. I really enjoyed the most. uh, One was the, I'm, I'm, too fucking old. I'm done with this shit. Moment from N'Golo Conte when he went in on Rose and took him to the ground. Yeah, um, That's awesome. If you if you break N'Golo Conte, like <laughs> like what like what's his tolerance level? Because I think it's pretty pretty high. But you broke the man today.
2: <laughs> uh, but, but honestly, did, yeah. did you quickly on that? Did you see how little N'Golo cared about that yellow card?
1: Oh, he walked <laughs> the, off. Stone-faced. Stone-faced.
2: <laughs> stone <face. laughs> Straight gangster, indeed.
1: Oh, uh, and then the second element that I thought was hilarious was once Sizoko got his card for uh, the wonderful fouling that he was doing, uh, Higuain uh, standing up with the uh, passive applause for, like, the finally, <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> Already, Chelsea through and through. It's it's phenomenal. All right. But we had some goals and we should talk about those. So uh, your boy, Ingolo 27 minute, walk us through the triple nutmeg. Nicholas.
2: That's right. Uh, if, if this were figure skating, the triple nutmeg would be, you know, something special here. Um, yeah, look, uh, this was a, a set piece guys. We inadvertently scored off of a set piece. Oddly. Um, Ball goes in from the corner, uh, gets deflected out to N'Golo Conte, who just who takes a a swing at it. And I think Chelsea fans are are tired of walking the ball into the back of the net. I think everyone just if you have an open shot or you have a shot at all and you're near the edge of the box, just take a hit and see what happens. And what happened here is it went through three people's legs, triple nutmeg, and even through uh, even through Spurs goalkeepers legs into the back of the net. 1-0, One nil, great start to the uh, to the half. and and this was after twenty seven minutes of Chelsea playing some pretty scintillating football Mike.
3: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's one thing to mega player, but he had the beauty of it it was a pinball. He literally hit both the keeper and uh, one of the defenders in the leg so that it just glanced off of one to the other. So it's just like not only did you know it was there, but you just you knew that you had a little piece of that goal in yourself. Um yeah. I mean, a goal Ngolo smashing it from outside the box. I don't I don't think we've seen enough of that where, you know, when you're watching other teams, you're watching they're specifically bringing that ball out and letting someone take a take a shot and it's great to see somebody just giving it the hammer.
2: Yeah. How do you feel really quick, Dan? How do you feel if you're Kovacic or Jorginho and literally can't buy a goal and then Engolo <laughs> slots one through three people <laughs> and, and just celebrates because he's our highest goal scoring midfielder.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, but, but here's, the, here's the thing that's the difference between players at Chelsea and players at Bottle Job FC, where they have to then go rally and file affidavits and open class action lawsuits to get goals redistributed to another player so that they can maintain a golden boot status um, and go after individual honors. Versus going after a team honor, like going into a final of a match or a final of a cup competition, and potentially gonna get you know, going to get a piece of silverware as Chelsea get into our fifteenth final in sixteen seasons. Fifteenth final, sixteenth seasons. And there were some could, pretty bad could, seasons could, in there. Could, yeah.
2: could you comment on if that's good or not, really quick? Because I'm a little confused personally.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's this thing called math, Nick, and uh, typically when you have more of something, that's a good <laughs> hmm. thing.
2: Nice. And and just really quick, Dan, uh in you know, in the same period, how many finals have Spurs been to?
1: That's gonna be a big old zero.
2: That's actually not true. They've been to one. But yep. uh we beat them in that final, so that's funny to me. So um that was the uh the fifth the fifteen carabao cup.
1: Actually, oh my gosh, right? I can't I, I can't remember that.
2: Yeah. Remember Kurt Zuma started in midfield. How about that?
1: That's right. The more you know. Uh, Anyway, uh, we did have a couple comments. Obviously, Simon Johnson talking about Conte setting the record for nutmegs in a single shot. Our friend JL Hines asking if he's he's the only one who thinks Conte improving offensively is a good thing for his continued development. Absolutely. We all believe that. And Rab2601 on Twitter saying, how good was Conte? Can't, uh, Can't play further forward. What an insult. What a player. So we go to the 38th minute. Eden Hazard gets the second goal. How would you feel about that one, Mike?
3: You know, um, I think the one stat that stood out to me that we didn't really talk about was passes, you know, and we had 473 passes to 420 like from Spurs. So to me, I think what we're seeing is in this match we saw we got rid of all those crappy side-to-side passes, and we very much attack the box. You saw... <clears throat> you know, Eden passed the ball out to Pedro, who kicked it out wide, and and P just slotted it back, and let um, Eden put a beautiful finish uh, to the far far post. Um, and we just played very direct and attacking, and instead of waiting for defenders to pile up, we just took it to him. So I think this is this is much more those kind of goals that we were expecting to see.
1: And the glorious on the ground cutback assist yes. from assist Puliqueta. He has returned. <laughs> He lives. He has he risen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he has risen indeed, Assist um, You know, look, I-, I love the man. I think we mentioned this uh, before. You know, in our, in our pre-show notes, that he was playing like a man possessed today. Um, I-, I think maybe the uh, the post-game com- uh, comments by Sorry after Arsenal might have lit a little bit of fire in uh, in Assist Pillaqueita. Uh, what, I, what I did like about this goal really quickly, though, is this is a classic cutback. If you have everybody from Spurs sitting deep and you have pushed forward into a position where they basically have to come out to you and, and get out of their little comfort zone, just putting a ball into the middle and seeing if someone can go get it is just fine. you know. And this was an area, obviously, where, where Hazard had a chance to lash at it, but there were two or three people in the vicinity that could do something with that ball potentially. And, uh, you know, for a, for a system that kind of demands clinical finishing, this was a, a really good move, a really good pass and continued pressure from Chelsea, uh, up to this point in the half. I think, you know, they just came out on fire and, and the passing was crisp. I mean, it was just bam, bam, bam all over the place. And, Felt a lot more like the beginning of the season, Dan.
1: Absolutely. So, fiftieth minute, the last traditional goal of the game from Fern- Fernando Lorente, who got an assist from Danny Rose, and uh, you know it was kind of one of those awkward body goals that you know really just the the face kind of planted into it, and it knocked into the back of the net, and we came out a little flat at the beginning of the second half, and it was the oh well, this is going to be really interesting. And then we get to the end of full time and the way it works now in the Carabao cup with the way that the rules have changed is it goes straight to penalties. And you know what? It was a clinical performance. So we saw Christian Erickson nailed one, Nick, not an issue. Then went right to William and he can get a pretty uh, crisp challenge there himself.
2: Yeah, that's right. Just, uh, just slotted it to the left and didn't, didn't really give uh, the keeper uh, any sort of real chance at that. I mean, it wasn't the best penalty of the four, but it, it certainly got the job
1: done. It did. And then uh, Eric Lamella gets a chance and fires it right past Keppa. Then Azpi though, Mike, with a captain's effort of a penalty.
3: Uh, just pure rage. I, I think in, <laughs> I, I, we were talking about this. He looked like he was p- potentially going to have an aneurysm. And I think the interesting thing to me is that when you put the juxtaposition between the way uh, P walked up, <laughs> to take his PK as opposed to Jorginho, who was kind of whistling, you know, zippity doodah and like <laughs> looking calm as as a cucumber. Um, but yeah, Dave, Dave, you know, walked up, smashed that ball on the ground, you know, paced out, I don't know, seven eight steps, and just a decent long, a uh, decently long run up, and just smashed it. He just smashed it home, and uh, I th- there's a couple great shots of him like screaming as he's pulling the ball out of the net, and it's just like. <laughs> You know, find you somebody who loves that ball as much as Dave does, and you'll be good.
1: Yeah. All right. In the third round, we got to see the best miss of the night from Eric Dyer, who is more of a weapons launch of a <laughs> <laughs> into the sub-orbit of uh, the planet Earth versus a penalty shot, and then Jorginho with the absolutely naughty uh hop skip kick that was just glorious again to get into the back of the net. And then you know what? If things weren't going well enough, fourth one comes up, Lucas Mora and our boy um stretch armstrong Keppa just gets those extra couple of inches into those hands, knocks that ball out of the way, leading up to Dava Luis to get the opportunity to do what he does, Nick, and just sends it home and sends us forward.
2: Uh, I love me a David Luiz penalty. I love the long run up. He doesn't give the the keeper any time to think. Um, you know the, the juxtaposition between Jorginho's penalty and David Luiz's penalty is, is kind of funny to me. Um, but I, I you know a- after Munich, David Luiz can run up from the the halfway line if he if he wants to. I don't <laughs> I don't care. Like just just take the longest run up you can. He didn't give any doubt that that he was going to bury it. That's that's what leadership looks like. And, uh, it, look, it was clinical. Chelsea did the business, and, and we move on.
1: All right, so we spent uh, 20 minutes getting through that, so we're going to keep on moving ahead. But uh, we did a few comments from uh, Bundy CL on... Twitter saying how amazingly cool were all of them during the shootout. Absolutely ice through the veins. Uh, Charlie Granger saying the exact same thing about Jorginho's ice-cold penalty. And our friend Shane on uh, our uh, Patreon saying, why, is it, why does it make sense to put your best penalty taker at last? Like, in general, I never understood that. And uh, any, any thoughts on that, Mike?
3: Um, it's it's important, especially if you need to close it out. I think just from a mental perspective, um from a mental edge, I mean, you always want to have five good penalty takers. But I think um, Tottenham, knowing that Eden was still waiting, it puts extra pressure on those other on your opponents to um, to make up for it. I think, to me, when it comes to penalties, um, it's very much just do your job. Don't worry about anything else. It's it should be the most one of the more simple things that you do. Um, you have the advantage as the penalty taker. Uh, and I think that sometimes the mental edge, like the what we showed is, I think it's such strength to see everyone go up and just smash it, take it home, you know, not even leave anything to be, you know, don't leave uh, an opening for your opponent. I think we did really, really well. And that's the fight that you kind of want and expect from the club.
2: Yeah. And I would quickly say, if you don't understand why that's important, think back to Moscow, <laughs> Think back to Didier not being available. He's our best penalty taker. Um, That's why. That's why you leave him fifth. I mean, uh, it's situational, too, because you know that, you know, if whoever buries the fourth one because Spurs have already missed two is essentially that's – you know the winner you, you might bring Eden up to that spot but I mean when you have David Louise waiting in the wings with a 30-yard run-up I mean it's just as good <laughs> so I'm, I'm I was happy with the with the organization and I'm really I'm pleased for Dave of all those guys because he's he's not been known as a, a penalty taker before but uh, for him to go second smash his I think just gave the team a bunch of confidence and uh, you know I don't if you're Spurs, you're not you're not stopping Jorginho and you're not stopping Hazard. So those are kind of two off the board. Um, you know, so that's that's why you do it.
3: Well and, and if I can say one thing, um the that that penalty by Luis, that is so hard. I I, I dare anyone to go out and take a video of you taking that kind of a run up and keeping that ball that low on the ground. I mean, it should, when you hit it that hard, it should go, you know, it should look like his penalty from Munich, where it's like smashing into the top of the net. And to keep it on the ground, to skim under the keeper like that, that is so difficult. I mean, it, that just was an amazing uh, penalty for me. I think it was the best of, of all five or four. All right.
1: Well, we can uh, tweet at us. What was your favorite? Uh, Instagram us, Facebook us, email us. Smoke signal. What was your favorite of the four, or potentially your favorite was the Eric Dyer miss? I'm not sure. You could enjoy different things in life. But we want to talk about the fact that at the end of the last match, when we basically got torn apart by Arsenal, it was doom and gloom. Sorry, shoots a rocket up the collective ass of the <sighs> Chelsea team in front of the entire English press in the world. And this was the response. And... Do you feel like it worked, Nick? Uh, Short answer,
2: yes, (laughs) I do. Um, uh, So, look, it it was clear that there would be a response. It was not clear what that response would be. We said on our show on Monday or Tuesday, whichever one, that if – if sorry went out and the team lost this game in distressed fashion or in, in poor form, it, it would really be a difficult rest of the season for him. And, and there could be a lot of rumbles happening around his future. Um, I, I even said if the team came out and showed a bunch of heart and, and still lost that he would be okay. But I think the performance today, Mike signaled to me that the team responded to whatever closed door meeting that they had, Uh, I think the team showed a lot of fight. I think, you know, he even said in his post-match press conference that the team stopped having fun over the last month. uh, And it looked like they were having a lot more fun today. The ball was zipping around. I think just the form of the team was a complete 180 from what we saw against Arsenal. Uh, And there are a bunch of reasons for that. But, uh, yes, they responded, didn't they?
3: Yeah, no, 100%. Um, <clears throat> kind of like what you're saying. I mean, this was a complete 180. I made a comment last week about how, you know, <clears throat> Jorginho got kind of dogpiled on and nobody was stepping up, you know, to his uh, defense. And uh, one of my favorite moments in the match was, well, not, Take this back. So Louise had that. He gets chopped down, and you see Dave just screaming and getting in Dyer's face um, and Atkinson's face, and and Dyer makes this effort just to kind of like shove him away, and you just see Rudiger just slap the shit out of his arm to, you know, like defend Dave, and and that's that fight that we want. You want to see the players standing up for each other, and like you want to see that effort and that heart, and I, I think, you know, you know, what sorry said, you know, I think it was maybe was needed to say, I think it could have been done in a little bit better way, but you know i I definitely the way that look in Dave's eyes, that zeal, you could tell that he didn't want to be a captain to lose to Tottenham twice at home in the same in the same season, so
1: that's all the motivation you need right then, yeah, I think that at the end of the day, the tactic work, the gambit paid off for sorry. And you only get a couple of those opportunities, right, to put it out there and say, my players need to step up. My players are not executing at the right level. Do it in such a public forum and hope that they respond appropriately. And the attitude that we saw across the board from Kepa during the penalty shootout, Luis in in his run up and take. Jorginho and his performance. Uh, you know, I think he was one of the most maligned players over the past couple of weeks, and uh, it was really an exceptional team response and what you would hope you would see every time we play any type of crosstown rival, but particularly a team like Tottenham, who really, you know, I think <sighs> there are not many teams I enjoy watching us beat more than them, and to lose to them is one of the most infuriating feelings I ever have. So I know that you know the rest of my work day would have been pretty miserable if we had <laughs> if we had acquiesced and let them sneak back into this thing. So the fact that we held them off and kept them out of it was really, uh, really exceptional. So any other thoughts on kind of the the response? Any particular moments that you kind of can highlight, Nick? I know that uh, obviously Mike brought up a few that he saw from a response standpoint. but anybody that we didn't mention so far?
2: Um. You know, I think I think we mentioned uh, if we're if if we're going back to the the comments around you know the the mentality and like the fight, uh, the Ngolo Kanté tackle on Danny Rose was a, a moment for that. It was you know a a steal. It was a determination. It was a you foul me, I foul you. You know, get up, stop crying, uh, type of of stone face that you got from Angola who typically doesn't lash out like that. And, you know, I, this, this team, if they show more toughness and desire like that, even if it results in a couple of cheap cards, I'm good with it. You know, to me, like I'm not advocating, advocating violence, but if, you know, this, if this team continues to get tactically fouled all game and they stand up for themselves, and they dish it back a little bit. That's that's well within the rules of the game, you know. That's that's what we're, that's what competitors do. So I loved I love that little moment, and I loved a lot of the other moments too. It seemed like the back line was more in uh, passion mode, la- or yeah, this evening than uh, than they have been in, in the last couple of months, and uh, that's always good, man. If you get Rudiger and you get David and you get Aspeliquita all Involved from a leadership standpoint, uh, that's, that's a, a way that we can continue this season.
1: I, I like that a lot. And one, one look that was remarkably different from this match versus the weekend's match is we actually played with, get this, a striker in the center of our attack. So we did not have Triple H yet, so we didn't have the uh, <laughs> wonderment of that as our front line, but we did have Olivier Giroud jump into the central position, putting Eden Hazard out into the wing. And, you know, Mike, it just seems like playing with the center forward... Was a good idea in this game.
3: Yeah, you, you know, you would think that when you have an attack that's based around somebody who can hold it up and you know distribute and let you know um, one of the best players in the world do his his thing, um, that good things might happen. You know, I, I think kind of going along with. Um, how the players responded to uh Sari's call out I also to me the lineup was it looked to me as if a bit of a mea culpa back to the players saying like hey you know I called you guys out but you know there was some work that I could be doing and and I could I can make our tactics or our roster do a little bit better and I think I think I'm I'm curious as to how they responded seeing that okay let's we're shaking things up we're not just going to do the same thing over and over again and hope for a different result So, um, you know, Eden loves to play with Olivier and, you know, Dan, I, there's nothing prettier than that. Um, it's been, you know, the best part of the last, you know, uh, last year or so.
1: Are you saying, are you saying it's prettier because Olivier Giroux is a beautiful looking man? He is. Yes okay understandable that's that's a, that's a fair take we appreciate that here on the london's blue podcast but yeah i think ultimately you know what you see and what i think we're going to get to see when Higuain comes into the lineup as well when hazard is offered that freedom of space when he isn't being marked by three of the four backline defenders that he is able to do what he does best and the only way teams know how to counter what he does is to cynically foul him out of the game through hacks through pullbacks through slide tackles through the back that just magically don't get any type of repercussion or card he is probably one of the least well defended players in the entirety of the premier league when it comes to understanding how to officiate around him because he is just remarkably different in terms of his ability you know if they There's always a thread or comment about, you know, comparing, you know, two seasons ago was De Bruyne to Eden Hazard. You know, this last season it was Salah to Hazard. You know, there's always – Hazard is the benchmark. And the fact that Atkinson and the rest of the officials don't understand that he is being targeted in every single match – you know, I think we could kind of even go back and take a look at just how teams play or foul against us when we have En Hazard in the lineup and what that does. Of like, yeah, you know, if, we, if we get ten more fouls from an opposition without any cards, like how does that affect results? But like, it it is so disruptive to the flow of the game. And I think at a certain point, like I understand why En Hazard could be frustrated not enjoying a football, Nick, because he he's just so much better that the only way people know how to deal with him is to play. The most dirty, despicable type of football.
2: Yeah, uh, th- there were plenty of comments tonight about uh, Martin Atkinson heading a rev bow. <laughs> um, th- that were they referencing our, our terrible Champions League night against Barcelona. Um, it, this isn't new, you know. Bar- you know, Barcelona. Uh, Tottenham had sixteen fouls on the night, and if you look back at them. You know, at least five of them were, were yellow card offense worthy. But how referees aren't picking up on this tactical fouling of one or two of our players is insane to me. It's insane. Um, you know, I I just don't understand how, you know, especially that, you know, there's there's one clip out there uh, where Vertonghen goes through the back of I believe it's Vertonghen goes through the back of Hazard right on the edge of the 18 yard box. Um and it was deemed to not not only not be a foul or a yellow card, but but to play on. And and I think Martin Atkinson just just ignored his responsibility tonight. It was it was really poor. I mean Hazard was on one. I mean this was a, a match where he clearly had a bounce and a step and that he was ready to take people on and and when he does that I mean he keeps the ball so close to him that when someone leans in it's almost always a foul because he's he's lower to the ground. He's shiftier and defenders are typically more clumsy than he is. So it, to me, you know, after the third or fourth one, there needs to be yellow cards handed out and warnings issued to captains saying, hey, I know what's going on here. Keep doing it and I'm going to keep yellow carding your, your teammates.
3: You know, if I can step in, I think this is something in which eventually the FA is going to have to be involved with. Because if you have a situation in which, you know, rightfully so, you start having more and more of your most elite players potentially leaving for Spain or other places because they cannot get any type of protection, um, it's going to be a real issue for the, you know, the quality of football in England. And... Um, you know, I get it, uh, kind of like you were saying. It's not that people are clumsy. It's that Hazard, is, he's fucking magical with his feet. I, I mean, there's no way to stick your foot in to get that ball. You know, I mean, really, it comes down to you have to have one, uh, you know, a defender blocking his path so somebody else can kind of nick in and, and grab a ball as he's turning or something else and um, – I think we're lucky as a club that that he is so hardy because I think there are very few other players who would take the amount of tackles that he has per match and still be walking and, and play as as much as he has. Dan?
1: Yeah, well, we're still waiting for Mourinho to uh, show up with those uh, protective shin guards Schingards. that he's promised. <laughs> uh, he's in punditry now, at least for the next couple months before he returns to some type of managerial job. So maybe he can use some of this time to da Vinci together some true protection, Fred and Hazard. But we are excited that he is getting a chance to play with the striker. We're excited. Again, we'll talk about Higuain in just a minute. But before we do that, you know, Nick, one of your least favorite players had a chance to make it into the lineup as Marcus Alonso (laughs) goes to the bench. Emerson slots in. I don't know if it's because he's short. I don't know if it's because... He, you know, has where's the number thirty-three? Like what what is it? You know, you just seem to be very unhappy about his performance tonight.
2: You know, first of all, I just want to say free Alonzo. Um <laughs> I think we need to get him back immediately. Now look, I I am happy that Emerson earned a chance to play tonight. I think he played well. I think there are a lot of people out there who have been clamoring for this forever and feel vindicated because he played a really great game um, I, I want the best players for Chelsea on the pitch as much as humanly possible. if he consistently proves to be the best player in that position, he will start more games um, that you know that is very very clear to me I mean I, I'm looking back at the uh, the quotes on so sorry says, Emerson Palmieri is very important to us, adding the only reason he hasn't featured more is because of his lack of physicality, but sees him improving all the time. And that's so that that to me is not necessarily a criticism of height, but a criticism of how he plays. Does he get dispossessed? Can he claw people back? Is he physical in the box on on set pieces? Is he making a nuisance of himself uh, to, to attacking players? There's more than than just height in that statement. Um, and again, I am happy for him. I don't think he's the second coming of Ashley Cole. I don't think Mark Salonzo is either, but, uh, you know, for, for people out there, and this is my soapbox moment of the, of the pod to, uh, feel vindicated because they want to tear down someone else instead of building up Emerson, uh, that, that doesn't fly with me. And I hate that as a, a rationale.
1: So here, here's the thing I would say. So, you know, our friend Nazar Kinsella did point out that sorry does use up use Marcus Alonso to make up for the lack of height in other areas of the pitch, and I think that would be primarily the front three when you play with Hazard in the center and Pedro and William on the the yeah you know, the front three. And then when you're also playing with a midfield of Conte, Kovacic, and Jorginho, that you need taller players on the pitch. But Higuain is you know six one six two. So if now we have Higuain in there, if Ruben Loftus cheek you know gets healthy and can stay healthy and you know take over that third midfield spot, that left center mid, um, then it makes sense to me that Emerson could start more regularly uh, if other. Pieces come into place around him, Mike. It just seems to me that it does. There is some tactical element to it that, sorry, kind of has held off on playing Emerson, even though he has said that he is absolutely not for sale and is going to keep him through the end of the window, despite rumors of several teams being interested in the winger slash left back.
3: Yeah, you know, I, I kind of. When you're talking about physicality as as Nick was, you know, to me that that kind of speaks of how Emerson has been performing in practice. And we know that Sari is somebody who very much values trust. Um, and I think, you know, having played and, and anyone who's played, um, it's daunting to be a backup. And it's, you know, it's it's. It is very frustrating to be fighting for a spot and even potentially having better games and better practices and not getting that playing time. And it it's kind of like what we do, you know, at work. You you might be having a really crappy time at work and it, it's it's at that point in which sometimes you need to double down, but you have that that motivation's not there to do it. And I think you know from the whispers or from what we heard i think emerson struggled in showing up and putting in a shift even knowing that he wasn't potentially going to to play i mean it's kind of you know uh, you know in in american football sometimes you could hear you'll you'll hear cornerbacks talking about oh i knew that the ball wasn't you know the route the route wasn't coming to this receiver because of how they ran you know from the start it's it's how people practice and I, and i think that Hopefully, kind of like we saw with Barkley, what we saw with with Ruben, uh, you know, and uh, Hudson Adoy, you know, he's finally getting a chance to prove himself. He's proved himself, and hopefully, he can earn a little bit more of that trust and you know, kind of show up and show what he can really do instead of just you know saying I can do great at practice and you know, not necessarily putting out stellar games.
2: Nick, positives, positives from him today. I thought his interchange in the final third was great. He he put together two crosses that I thought were excellent and that you know the, the one at the end of the game in, in stoppage time, Giroud should have nailed that in for a goal. Uh, no doubt in my mind. That should have been an assist. Yeah. Uh, I thought he tracked back okay. I think his defensive positioning was a little wonky at times and that he got turned around a couple of times. But overall, I thought he was quick. I thought he showed enthusiasm. I think he played very well. Um, I just, I get so tired of the Alonzo detractors that, like, I almost feel like I have to stick up for him a little bit because he's scored some really important goals. He's played good games. Not all of them have been recently. I, I'm certainly admitting that. But uh, whoever is. Whoever is the better player, whoever fits what Sari wants to do with this, you know, a, a new center forward and, and perhaps a, you know, whatever midfield combination that he wants to run, Sari is going to play that person, and it's up to Emerson to continue to take his chances and and put it out for for everyone to see. He played very well today. That's a it's a one off experience. Now he has That's to go true. prove it again and again and again. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, basically, at that point, Nick has given him a well, which sounds like a five out of ten. So basically, if you will <laughs> only give him half of the total score. Uh, continue to hate on him. Sorry about that, world. Uh, <laughs> I, look.
3: Nick. You can hate. You can, you hate, could, you can hate players. It, it's okay. Just just admit it. I mean, why did Sesk
1: leave for Monaco? It was all about Mike.
3: Yeah, man. Yeah. It was a grassroots I, I, effort I, by me. <laughs> grassroots effort
1: all <laughs> right you're, so any you're
2: the, you're the bernie sanders of, of midfield <laughs> detractors mike that's what you are all yeah. right so
1: before we get to the man of the match poll dan of the match poll any other players comments you want to make on this match before we wrap it up
2: uh ross was poor i have to say that i i don't think he has looked good in months i, I think he there's looked...
1: another player we're never going to interview all right yep. good job
2: no no i i I, I have I don't think he's looked good since he scored the goal against United in stoppage time. He he lost the ball a few times today. He didn't drive forward as much as I thought he could, uh, and generally looked uncomfortable to me at least. And like I you know take my opinion for what it is, but uh, looked uncomfortable with the rate of speed that the passes were being hit into him. Uh, I yeah you know, I thought the ball was moving really quick today, and that was great to see and I think it opened up a lot of space for players on the wings and I don't I, don't, I just didn't see an overall great performance from Ross um, so that's that's you know just an area that I think we have to continue to figure out what that what that player on the left is supposed to to really do because when we've had great performances from our midfield this year we've typically won so that's That's just where I'm at, Mike.
3: Yeah, I mean, midfield play, in my opinion, will always, you know, determine matches. Um, But, you know, I thought overall, I think my shout-out would be just to the back four, uh, probably even including Kepa. You know, it's... Better communication, working together. Um, they did some really awesome overlaps. You could see where they were they were shifting so that you know, be it Rudiger or um, Louise could shoot forward and cut off plays um, and turn things away before it, you know the 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 uh, the play could build up in our offensive third or our defensive third. So I thought they just did really well. Um, just a much. A complete 180 of what they put out against Arsenal.
1: Good, good comments. So, Dan, the match poll, who claims top honors after the match. It went 37% to Angola. Conte followed very closely by Eden Hazard with 31%. Aretha Balaga with 23 for the Stretch Armstrong save, and then Jorginho with 8%. Uh, I know a couple of people mentioned uh, Emerson after the fact. I do not think he was man of the match potential. I think he was getting a little bit of the uh a little bit of the bump, a little bit of the new boy bump. But uh, you know what, we kept it real with our, our four options there, Nick.
2: Dan of the match, Angolo Conte. Uh, I think that is the absolute right choice. N'Golo was absolutely outstanding today, like we've already said. And I would give special shout to Jorginho today. Yes. Who I thought played very well. Um this is a a guy who's been much maligned. They didn't give him a ton of time or space on the ball. Uh, he still dictated play. Um, for for a guy dealing with as much adversity as he has, to then play a great game, go up, just absolutely nail your penalty, smile on the way out, uh, takes a, a tough mentality. And and hopefully we continue to see that from him.
1: Absolutely. All right. So. Before we look ahead to the uh, next match, you know, so uh, the Carabao Cup final will be played on the 24th of February against the wonderful, wonderful.
2: Albion. (laughs) Is that right? That is correct. (laughs) That is correct. correct. (laughs) You are correct, sir.
1: Yeah. uh, No, we were going to be playing Brighton, um, but that is not going to happen now. Uh, You know, we are having our Premier League game postponed, unlike Spurs. Who now have a different thing to do that weekend? Um, so that match will be replayed later in the season. Um, but obviously, very very exciting to see that go forward. And you know what we uh, we've beaten Manchester City this season. So uh, who who's uh, who's to say it can't happen again? Uh, maybe on penalties, you never know. But uh, we did want to talk about the transfer in of Gonzalo Higuain. We got a lot of questions: uh, Malcolm uh, McLaren from Instagram, Reed and Jacob from Patreon, uh, Tumain and Max Seven Two Nine from uh, Twitter, all asking how are we feeling about Higuain, what's this going to look like, is he eligible for Europa League? Yes, he is under the new rules. So, Nick, how are you feeling about? You know the the whale of a signing that we have brought into the team.
2: I am uh, I'm in, encouraged by it. Uh, I think, you know, for for all of the reasons that Murata did not work um, consistently at Chelsea, I I have faith that Iguain will. Uh, he has 290 goals in his career. He's he's no chump, you know. Like he he has. You know, from from all the stories that have kind of come out on him recently, he's incredibly passionate. He has a singular focus. Uh, if you've watched his highlights, uh, and, and I, you know, trust Liam Toomey on this as, as he was on the Chelsea fan cast on Monday, uh, combines the interchange of Giroud with the goal scoring of what a center forward should do for Chelsea. And if you get a player who is already comfortable with the system, who the manager clearly loves like a son um, going in, in, in this way with some of the exciting passing that we, that we saw against Spurs, uh, this, this could be big for us. I mean, our road to top four is is dangerous. It's, it's filled with, obstacles and i'm you know i'm not going to sugarcoat that for people this is not a guarantee that we're going to make top four but i think it gives us a chance um uh and i want to dispel the rumor right now that he's fat he he is certainly not i heard Uh, that
1: he had like the mass of a uh like a pulsar or something
2: (laughs) he's dan just that's too much it's too much nerd is that too is that too heady
1: right now is that like too much okay
2: yeah yeah i I, if if you want to see if you want to see what a uh an out of shape person looks like you can go to my instagram (laughs) anytime uh take take a look i put on a little in the middle um uh, iguain's fit man i i think he's ready to go i think he has the uh the body for the premier league i think he will be able to battle with with some bigger center backs and mike i i I, i'm confident that this is going to work which means that i have doomed him forever
3: you know it's gonna work i'm I'm gonna go out and, and where you won't say it i will say that by signing him we will make top four i guarantee it um kind of because, wow. because of what we're oh, no but here's the deal you, look you've doomed us for No uh, oh, no <laughs> no only Dan dooms us we know this and <laughs> yeah, and God. no i mean this is this is the key cog in the offensive that we've been missing uh, we need somebody who can finish you know half of what we've bemoaned through the the issues that we've had is that no one can finish like 10 15 chances sometimes a match and he's not going to he's not going to like just not be able to f- to make simple finishes so i think it's going to We're going to be playing with 11 men on the field. We're not going to have a sulking striker who's just going to, you know, disappear into a match the first time somebody kicks him in the shin or pushes him over. I think teams are going to have to deal with potentially a bit of, we won't say he's a bully, but I think he's going to take a lot more of the center backs and that's going to Make it much more difficult for teams To defend you know Eating cutting in or page. It's going to free up our wings as well Because he's going to be occupying one to two Of those center backs so I think this changes Everything to me um, Something that was really important To me watching the match is that I, I suggest that everybody watch the highlights Of of the the penalties And there's a scene where they cut to the Bench and it, it's kind of comical Like there's you know, Iguain's kneeling because he's so tense. He's like kneeling with everyone else because he's tense. Alonso's chilling on a cooler. Pedro's pacing around like kind of a maniac in the background because you know he wants to be taking one of those. But everything that we're seeing is that this man wants to be here and he wants to play for sorry. And that's everything that Morata wasn't, you know. And and I think that our squad is going to be so rejuvenated by what he brings from experience, the ability to finish, and how teams are going to have to change to deal with us, I, I think it's going to be – I think we're going to have a huge upswing. And I think between um, injuries to Tottenham, injuries to Arsenal, like this is, this is our time to just put points uh, and, and separate the gap. So I am very, very confident. Dan?
1: Yeah. Reminder uh, that we do have um, some tough away trips against uh, top four, top six opposition remaining this season. We have Manchester City on the 10th of February. We go up there to play them. We do invite Spurs back for hopefully another battering on the 27th of February. Fast forward a little bit later in the season. We make a trip in April to Anfield to take on Liverpool and pray and hope that they are not in first place at that point in time. Uh, and then we also have to make uh, in our last three trips um, of the season on the 27th of April, we play Manchester United at Old Trafford and uh, you hope that some of the uh, you know uh, initial hype of a new manager you know coming in has kind of faded at that point, but they look ferocious as well. So you know, as much as I'm excited, I also am very you know realistic about just how difficult this would be. On top of the fact that we are still competing in Europa League, we do have an FA Cup match coming up, and we hope to advance in that competition. And we are in the final of the Carabao Cup. So, uh, again, high class problems to have for Chelsea. Um, you know what? You know you could be rooting for a team that basically is going to fail to stay up, like Fulham, um, or you know, and sweat every point like that and you know not be in any competition so uh it's a great thing to root for chelsea even though sometimes it is an absolutely like just wreck on your bodily system as you uh, have to make it through the last 15 20 minutes of a match like this or a penalty shootout so uh let us know what you think about higuin we're gonna do a real quick real real quick before we leave though preview for sheffield wednesday that's happening this sunday 1 p.m eastern time uh, sheffield wednesday not in good shape. They are 16th place in the championship right now. And I think what you would like to do, Nick, is just maybe run through some quick thoughts on what the lineup might be, because this is going to be a match where you're expecting some type of rotation uh, to keep the squad fresh, heading into a midweek match against uh, Bournemouth next week.
2: That is correct, Dan. Um, so this, this match is being played on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern in the States, which is you know, it must be said, it's an absolute crap uh, time for uh, fans to get to this match, um, you know, so we feel for our, our friends going to the the stadium. But um, on the field, I think you're going to see some rotation. Um, I would like each of us to kind of name the, the lineup that we would like to see because I think it's exciting times. We have we have a new addition and I think everyone's kind of excited to see some rotation here. So what I would like to see would be Willie Caballero, uh, Zappacosta, who I've nicknamed Zaps. I like Zaps a lot. God, um, uh, Christensen, Rudiger, Alonzo back in the lineup. for Alonzo, um, just just because I think the back to back over you know essentially two days is is too much for Emerson because he hasn't played that much. So um, I would guess Alonzo gets back. I would I would opt for Ampadu, Kovacic, and Conte in the midfield. I think Ampadu playing the uh, register role would be regista. I don't know the, the, so the, the register.
1: Easy. The ca- can, can we go to the cash register with Ampadu? Cash,
2: cash, <laughs> cha ching, register. No. Um, yeah, that just happened. <laughs> uh, and then up front, Callum Hudson, Adoy, Gonzalo Higuain, and Willian. Uh, round out the front three. A nice balance here of youth and experience and a new striker signing in a low-pressure environment against a team that we should beat handily.
1: Okay. Well, that was fun. Uh, It was really special. So, uh, Mike, any any areas where you agree or disagree? Like, uh, let's kind of go that way. Yeah, I think that'll be easier. Um,
3: I look at my center backs as being Ampadu and Christensen, um, and I think that... Um, we're going to see Olivier playing up top as uh, center forward, even though uh, it keeps wanting to autocorrect to Charande. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the, Gironde. Gironde the Google <laughs> Docs, yeah, yeah, uh, one one of the two of them will be there. But yeah, pretty much, I think I, I'm in line with Nick as well.
1: All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist it up a little bit here because I think um, you know Kep is the hot hand right now, and as much as you know, Willie's a backup, you know. Kepa also, in a couple of matches this season, hasn't had to do a lot. So, you know what? He just, you know, using those minutes, keeping some type of central force in the back as you kind of rotate through several defenders is nice. And I think it also allows him to exert a little bit of that leadership presence. So I think he puts Zappa Costa in. I think Ampadu gets the start next to Rudiger with Emerson uh, kind of continuing and then potentially that puts Alonzo in line for the Bournemouth match um, I think Kovacic needs to play given the fact that he didn't you know get the start of this match I think Jorginho is pretty much an unreplaceable player at the moment. Uh same with N'Golo Kante. Uh they can obviously come off later in the match if necessary. And then I think you put Calum Hudson Doy, Higuain and William up top. So uh not not too much different. But uh I do think obviously Christensen wasn't available for this pass match due to a hamstring issue. You hope he's okay. Uh obviously there were some other issues that were rumored and some funny stories about needing to use a bathroom at the end of the match and sorry was hoping that he was okay. Um, but yeah, we'll just we won't touch on that. That's it's too easy. That's too easy to go there, right, Nick? Yeah, uh, we're not we're
2: not going to make shitty jokes on this podcast. Um,
1: <laughs> All right, and so. that uh, with that said, <laughs> with that said, uh, we are going to close out this episode. And thank you for joining us in a jubilant recap of the victory over bottle uh, bottle job, tactical fouling, whatever you like to call them except the one thing, because credit to all Chelsea fans for doing a phenomenal job as a part of the Chelsea Together group. Uh, obviously, Spurs are doing what they're doing, and we can kind of condemn that, but credit to all the fans for, uh, again, continuing their fine form when it comes to yeah. uh, being respectful, being responsible, and showing that uh, we can be better in all aspects of uh, being a club. Not just how it's run, how it's played on the pitch, but also how the supporters go to a match. So credit where credit is due but you know what we got a match coming up this weekend and we'll be back after that to recap it for you but until then enjoy your friday enjoy your saturday and keep the blue flag flying high